Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. Kevin Hogan here. Let's take a look at our top stories. Ceasefire talks begin between Russia and Ukraine as Russia takes two small cities in the southeast but runs into stiff resistance in other places. Just before ceasefire talks were to begin, Russian President Vladimir Putin placed Russia's nuclear deterrent forces on high alert. Is this just a pressure tactic or a cause for real concern? World powers move to cut some Russian banks off from the global payments transfer system known as SWIFT. This will make it harder for them to do business. The White House says China needs to speak up and condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This while former President Trump says the Ukraine invasion is an atrocity that should have never been allowed to occur. Ceasefire talks are underway between Russia and Ukraine today. This as Russia reportedly fires rockets on Ukraine's second largest city. NTD's Jessica Beatty has the latest. Russia and Ukraine started ceasefire talks Monday in Belarus. It borders both countries. Before talks started, Russia's head negotiator said they want a deal that's good for both sides. We are definitely interested in reaching any agreements as soon as possible, but those agreements should be for the benefit of both sides. The talks are the first since Russia invaded Ukraine last week. On Sunday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said he's not optimistic. I do not really believe in the outcome of this meeting, but let them try. On Monday, Zelensky asked the European Union to fast-track Ukraine's EU membership. We ask the European Union to admit Ukraine immediately, according to the new procedure. Fox News reported Monday morning that Russia had captured two more Ukrainian cities in the southeast. Although Ukrainian troops are outgunned, they've slowed Russia's advance and still hold the capital, Kyiv, and other key cities. Kyiv's mayor had a message for Russian troops Sunday. Go back home. You have nothing to find here. Meanwhile, Ukraine's foreign minister addressed Russian citizens Monday. He told them they have a simple tool to stop what he called the madness. Demand that Putin stop the war. Ukraine has not attacked anyone and does not plan to attack. We want to live in peace. But for that, Putin must stop the war and the destruction of the Russian economy. Western countries have imposed unprecedented sanctions on Russia. The Kremlin said Friday that the sanctions would cause problems for Moscow, but that they could resolve those problems. We've had no reason to doubt the effectiveness and reliability of the central bank. There's no reason to doubt it now. I repeat once again, Russia has been preparing to meet possible sanctions for a long time, including the toughest ones we are seeing now. Russia says it'll impose retaliatory sanctions on the West. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Volunteers across Central Europe are helping fleeing Ukrainians. They've donated mountains of supplies and are transporting new arrivals from the border and providing safety. Soldiers lined up to donate blood. Hospitals are being prepared in Romania and the other countries surrounding Ukraine as people continue to flee. Nearly 400,000 people are seeking safety abroad. Men of conscription age are prevented from leaving Ukraine, so mostly women and children have arrived at the borders in Poland, Slovakia, Hungary and Romania. The Polish interior minister says the Ukrainians will have a second home in his country. Volunteers have used social media to organize donations, and some collection centers received so many offers they were forced to turn them away. At the borders, authorities set up in tents where people could get medical aid and process asylum papers 
while volunteers drove up to the border crossings to deliver help. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Sunday placed the country's nuclear deterrent forces on high alert. Is he ready to push the button, or is this just a pressure tactic? Let's look at the details. Ongoing talks between Moscow and Kyiv could herald a turnaround in the Russia-Ukraine war. However, Russian President Vladimir Putin on Sunday ordered Russia's nuclear forces to be on high alert, citing what he called aggressive statements from NATO allies and widespread sanctions from the West. Ukrainians' foreign minister said Putin's move is more of a pressure tactic. And we see this announcement, this order, as an attempt to raise stakes and to put additional pressure on the Ukrainian delegation. But we will not give in to this pressure. While visiting a Ukrainian church in London, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson also weighed in. I think that's a distraction from the reality of what's going on in Ukraine. This is a, a, an innocent people who are uh, facing a, a totally unprovoked act of aggression against them. Uh, and what's actually happening is that they are fighting back, perhaps with uh, more effect, uh, with more resistance than the Kremlin had bargained for. The prime minister doubted Putin's sincerity about negotiating with Ukraine, but he agreed that all avenues should be tried to end the conflict. British Defense Minister Ben Wallace characterized Putin's deterrent alerts as largely rhetorical, with no real intention of using them. I think by entering this into the conversation yesterday, he did two things. He reminded everyone he's got nuclear weapons, which, as you say, starts to set off people being worried. But secondly, he distracted from what's going wrong in Ukraine. Elsewhere in the West, the UN Security Council called a rare emergency session of the 193-member General Assembly in response to Russian actions in Ukraine. We need to take extraordinary actions to meet this threat to our international system and do everything we can to help Ukraine and its people. A vote will follow at the end of the meeting on Monday. Meanwhile, the UN Human Rights Council has voted to have an urgent debate on the Russia-Ukraine war. Ukraine's ambassador to the UN brought up the proposal to the Geneva Forum Monday. She said Russia's actions amount to war crimes. The 47-member council adopted the proposal by a vote of 29 in favor, 13 abstentions and 5 against, which includes Russia and China. According to UN Human Rights Chief Michelle Bachelet, at least 102 civilians have been killed in Ukraine and 304 others wounded since the war started. More than 400,000 Ukrainians have fled their homes. The world's largest cargo plane has been burnt in a Russian attack on an airport near Kyiv. The plane, Antonov-225 Maria, is Ukrainian-made. Ukraine's Minister of Foreign Affairs tweeted that Russia may have destroyed our Maria, but we shall prevail. The enormous plane has three jet engines on each wing, supporting up to 600 metric tons. By comparison, Lockheed Martin's C-5M Super Galaxy has a takeoff weight of up to 840,000 pounds. The C-5M is the largest cargo plane in service for the U.S. Air Force. Ukraine says the plane's restoration would cost more than $3 billion and take a long time. As Russia continues its assault against Ukraine, Western leaders are hardening their economic resolve against Putin. The U.S., Canada, Europe and Britain moved to block some Russian banks from SWIFT, the main global payment system. The new measures will be implemented in the coming days and include restrictions on Russia's central bank. The West wants to prevent Putin from accessing $630 billion in foreign currency reserves he could use to finance his war and prop up a plunging ruble. European Commission President 
Ursula von der Leyen said the measures prevent Russia from using its war chest. We are resolved to continue imposing massive costs on Russia, costs that will further isolate Russia from the international financial system and our economies. Cutting Russian banks out of the SWIFT system does a blow to Russian trade and makes it harder for Russian companies to do business. SWIFT, or the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, is a secure messaging network that facilitates rapid cross-border payments. It has become the principal mechanism for financing international trade. Each year, trillions of dollars are transferred using the system. BP is offloading its 20% stake in Russian oil giant Rosneft due to the crisis in Ukraine. It's one of the first major moves by a big company after the invasion. And it's a rapid, costly end for BP to three decades of operating in Russia. Losing Rosneft means BP loses around half its oil and gas reserves. The British company says it will take a financial hit of up to $25 billion. In a Sunday statement, BP chief executive Bernard Looney said, quote, I have been deeply shocked and saddened by the situation unfolding in Ukraine, and my heart goes out to everyone affected. It has caused us to fundamentally rethink BP's position with Rosneft. Looney and his predecessor, Bob Dudley, will both step down from the board of Rosneft. BP is Russia's biggest foreign investor, and its move puts a spotlight on other Western companies with operations there, including France's Total Energies and Britain's Shell. It also underscores growing pressure from Western governments on companies to cut back Russian operations. Russian news agencies reported that Rosneft have blamed BP's decision on, quote, unprecedented political pressure. Also on Sunday, Alphabet and its YouTube unit were told by a top EU official to ban users pushing war propaganda as part of measures to put a stop to disinformation about Ukraine. Alphabet already barred RT and other Russian state media from getting money from ads on their websites and YouTube channels. The White House is calling on the Chinese regime to condemn Russia publicly for invading Ukraine. And former President Trump mentioned the invasion of Ukraine at CPAC. He called it an atrocity. The Chinese regime decided not to vote on UN Security Council resolution demanding Moscow stop its attack. But China has spoken in favor of Ukrainian sovereignty. And now the White House is calling on the regime to publicly condemn Russia's military aggression against its neighbor. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told this to MSNBC on Sunday. But this is not a time to stand on the sidelines. This is a time to be vocal and condemn the actions of President Putin and Russia in invading a sovereign country. Saki said President Biden has not spoken with Chinese leader Xi Jinping recently. However, she did not rule out the two talking in the future. Saki also acknowledged China has abided by some of the sanctions the U.S. imposed against Russia, but she asserted China should do more. Meanwhile, former President Trump addressed the invasion of Ukraine at the Conservative Political Action Conference. The Russian attack on Ukraine is appalling. It's an outrage and an atrocity that should never have been allowed to occur. It never would have occurred. We are praying for the proud people of Ukraine. God bless them all. God bless them all. Trump noted that Russia invaded countries under the Bush administration, Obama's, and now Biden's, whereas they did not during his presidency. With the Abraham Accords, we had peace in the Middle East. We had peace in Europe. China knew that it could no longer take advantage of the United States. 
And I was proud to be the first president in decades who did not get our country into any wars. I got you out of wars. Trump alleged Russia attacked Ukraine only after having witnessed the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. President Putin made his decision to ruthlessly attack Ukraine only after watching the pathetic withdrawal from Afghanistan, where the military was taken out first, our soldiers were killed, and American hostages plus $85 billion worth of the finest equipment anywhere in the world were left behind. Trump also spoke about the U.S. border with Mexico. He said during his time as president, they had secured it and accused the Biden administration of being more concerned with helping citizens of foreign countries than it is about helping Americans at home. Trump said in order to defend Western civilization, one needs to be able to defend one's own civilization. The White House did not immediately respond to NTD's request for comment on the claims Trump made. Though Biden did hit Russia with sanctions last week after the invasion began, they targeted Russian banks and disrupted Russia's ability to do transactions in major currencies. Anti-war protests took place in 44 Russian cities on Sunday. Police have so far detained more than 900 protesters. The total number of arrests now adds up to over 4,000 since Russia began its invasion of Ukraine. That's according to an independent human rights organization, OVD.info. Sunday's protests marked the seventh anniversary of the murder of Boris Nemtsev, who was a leading critic of Putin's aggression against Ukraine. A witness said some of the Sunday arrests took place at a memorial to the site where the shooting of Nemtsev occurred. Throughout the weekend, thousands of anti-war protesters showed up in cities around the world, including Sydney, Lipson, and Washington, D.C. In Berlin alone, more than 100,000 people demonstrated over the weekend in support of Ukraine. As Russian attacks on Ukraine escalate, some Ukrainian-Americans took to the streets in protest, while others went to church to pray for their loved ones. Here's more on that story. As more protesters gathered in the streets calling for peace in Ukraine, the faithful took a different approach. This is the Ukrainian Catholic National Shrine of the Holy Family in Washington, D.C. Following Putin's nuclear deterrence alert Sunday, Ukrainian worshipers came here to pray for their loved ones in their homeland. We've got Viking blood in us, you know? We're just warriors, man. We never attacked a single country, but we know how to defend our country. The presiding priest told parishioners to trust their most powerful arsenal, their prayers. So we want to use that powerful arsenal to pray for the conversion of hearts, especially those who would desire to see Ukraine destroyed, people annihilated. The same sentiment is spreading in New York. Ukrainians there attended the prayer service at Ukrainian Catholic Church of St. Volodymyr. Many were surprised by the Russian invasion. What is happening right now is uh, all the atrocities and uh, the, um, the crimes that are being committed. Like, you know, just simply this assault is a crime. It's a, it's a crime against humanity. Uh, my wife is Ukrainian, so I just wanted to support the cause and uh, give some prayer. Ask the Lord to help us all, help them as well, including the Russians. This church is now raising money for those who have fled their homes in Ukraine in search of safety. Elon Musk announces that his satellite broadband service Starlink has been activated in Ukraine. The internet was disrupted in the country due to Russia's attack. 
The news from Musk came after a tweet by the Ukrainian vice prime minister. He criticized Musk for trying to occupy Mars and sending rockets into space while Ukraine suffers under war. Musk responded by saying that Starlink Internet is active in Ukraine and will grow. Internet monitors said Saturday that connectivity in the southern and eastern parts of Ukraine were particularly affected by the Russian attack. Starlink is a space-based system that SpaceX has been building for years to bring high-speed broadband internet to underserved areas of the world. It can also serve as a backup if natural disasters affect communication. SpaceX now has almost 2,000 Starlink satellites orbiting the Earth. Still to come, the People's Convoy has already driven halfway through America on its way to D.C. One of the most recent stops was Amarillo, Texas. Thousands of people from towns along the way came out to show their support for the truckers. The People's Convoy is halfway through America now on its way to Washington, D.C. Over the weekend, the convoy stopped in Amarillo, Texas. The people in the convoy were overwhelmed with the show of support from the locals. NTD's Jason Perry was there. On the way here, which was about an hour drive, we could see supporters on both sides of the highways with American flags and on the top of bridges. And the closer we got to here in Amarillo, the more supporters came out. The attorney for the People's Convoy says she has been amazed along the way. You guys did Texas proud. You did it at Texas outsize. We hit the border in New Mexico, coming through Vega, and there were people. It looked like the Rose Parade, not just on the overpasses, but lining both sides of the street, little kids, grandparents, and everybody in between wishing us well. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thousands of supporters were scattered along the roads and bridges along the highway. Another thing, the amount of people that are on the sides of the roads, you know, thousands getting up here in these overpasses, that's the touching part. You know, those people aren't there because they like trucks, they like truckers. They're there because they are sick and tired of the way this country is being raped and pillaged by a certain few. Okay, there's people on the side of the bridge and there might be two or three of them. But then you go through a big city and there's 100, 200, 300 on every single bridge. And so, but the fact is, is that every single place we go through, we see people that are supporting this. And that's, that was very unexpected for me. This is fantastic being in Amarillo, Texas and just seeing the outpouring of support from, from locals and what we've seen all the way from California uh, throughout very sparsely populated areas. It seems like everybody's out on the road cheering us on. The organizer of the People's Convoy thanked the Canadian truckers for what they started, and he reminded everyone that some of them are still in jail. Texas, you literally made me cry coming into your state. I, our entire team was crying. I saw these drivers tearing up. It has been absolutely amazing. And I, I, I always wanted to say this, so I'm going to say it. God bless Texas! People showed support in many ways. One truck driver who could not make the whole trip helped serve over 30 gallons of free coffee during the stop. I hope this, seeing this, helps every American and every person in the world 
know that we can come together and it doesn't just have to be truckers. It doesn't matter if you support everything that they're standing for right now, but we're people coming together, trying to unify everybody and stand up for our rights. And that's what everybody can do. All you gotta do is get up off your butt and do it. The People's Convoy have just finished their meet and greet with everyone here in Amarillo, Texas. There's been a lot of love and support along the way. And now that it's over, you can see everyone is now in line, about to get back in the convoy. And the next stop is Elk City, Oklahoma. Jason Perry, NCD News, Texas. Federal authorities are reinstalling fencing around the Capitol. Law enforcement authorities in Washington are preparing for the upcoming trucker protests. Authorities are taking the step to protect President Biden's State of the Union speech scheduled for Tuesday. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger also says it is to prevent any disruption to the important work of Congress. The fencing was previously installed after the Capitol breach on January 6, 2021. It was removed last July. A group of American truckers began a cross-country trip from California last week. They were inspired by Canadian protests against pandemic restrictions that took place in Ottawa. More than two dozen 18-wheelers, along with pickup trucks and recreational vehicles, left from a city near Los Angeles last Wednesday. The group calls themselves the People's Convoy and is bound for a major highway encircling the U.S. Capitol. New York Governor Kathy Hochul announces a change in statewide masking requirements. Schools in the state will no longer have to require mask wearing. She cites new federal health guidance for the change. We are going to be announcing that we'll be lifting the statewide mask requirement in schools, and that'll be effective this Wednesday, March 2nd. The new rules apply to children two years and older in child care facilities and schools. She said counties and cities could keep their own mandates in place. Parents can also choose to send their kids to school in masks. New York State has 2.7 million school children. About 1 million of those are in New York City. Earlier this month, Hochul let a mask mandate for most indoor settings expire, but she left the rule for schools in place. The broad mask mandate started during a COVID-19 surge in December. Masks are still required on public transit and in some other places. Apple TV Plus drama Coda wins the Screen Actors Guild's Top Film Award. The show is about the only hearing member of a deaf family. Award winners and hosts also remembered the war in Ukraine. The CODA win raises its chances for success at next month's Oscars ceremony. The move, movie was acquired by Apple at the Sundance Film Festival for $25 million. The SAG Awards are chosen by members of the SAG-AFTRA Acting Union. They are closely watched because actors form the largest voting group for the Oscars. Winning the top SAG honor often leads to a Best Picture win at the Oscars. Also awarded were Jessica Chastain for Best Movie Actress, for the eyes of Tammy Faye, and Will Smith was named Best Movie Actor for King Richard. Helen Mirren was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Actor Leslie Odom Jr. acknowledged the violence in Ukraine at the onset of the ceremony and wished for peace. It was a recurring theme throughout the night. Thanks for watching. At NTD, we're honored to be your source for the news. Catch us again tonight at 6.30 Eastern. In New York City, I'm Kevin Hogan.